0: hey thanks so much for choosing the haven house of revival sermon of the week we pray that this sermon impacts your heart and it inspires you to change your life and the world around you for god please enjoy the message yeah my wife turned to me this morning at breakfast and said uh We uh, sleep at our home here and then get up and go out for breakfast Sunday mornings. So let us know if you want to join us. She goes, so what are you preaching on today? I said, well, I had a sermon written, but I don't know. I'm just going to let it go when I get up here. God's giving me something prophetic. She goes, like, I don't know how you do that. (laughs) Because everything's structured and organized. And I said, well, the word that God's sort of given me is a bit about structure. She's like, there's nothing wrong with structure. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I know there's nothing wrong with structure, but uh, we don't have as much time today. I probably won't hit much of my word, but I'm going to give you something really good because the Lord gave me a word. I texted the team uh, two days ago, I think, Uh, but a word the Lord was giving me, he gave me a little bit more to it. So make sure this is uh, recorded. Uh, This is a powerful, powerful word. The Lord is saying that my church is in a state of disarray, meaning it's disorganized and not functioning the way it should. And I'm like, oh boy. And God's saying, I'm not, I'm going to use a lot of words with dis. I'm not in my church. But the church in North America has been in a state of disarray. And it's not just all over the world. Because much of the world, the church is powerful and walking in the spirit. But he said to me this morning, this disarray, I'm I'm gonna put this, oh, you know what? I don't know if I'm even gonna need my notes for that. I um, wrote some of these things down this morning while I was in that back bathroom. If you needed a word from the Lord, go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) and I believe that God is speaking this word to his remnant so not all of you will get it because not all the church is a part of the remnant Ouch! but some of you are going to get this and you're going to be challenged today the state of disarray means a state of disorganization or untidiness the church is not functioning the way it should. It's disorganized. And he's saying, church, it's time to rise up and it's time to get your household ready. Get your house ready. That means get this house ready, haven, the house of revival, but it also means your personal house. Because you are about to face some things that unless you are organized and in order, we'll talk about what in order means, you're not gonna make the proper decisions and you're going to feel dismayed. And the Lord said in this word, do not be dismayed. You can write that word down. So I said, what does dismayed mean? It means living in distress, and it will limit your faith and mobility for the kingdom work ahead. Because what's coming ahead in the world You're going to need to be able to mobilize the church. Because it's going to be an opportunity, but the church can't be dismayed. It can't be in distress. We need to not (laughs) look at our life and the things that are happening the same way as those of the world would. We need to look at our life the way the kingdom would have us look at it. And we need to be spirit led. There's a big difference. So, because the church is in disarray, meaning that the church is disorganized because it is functioning in practice rather than functioning in being spirit led. What do I mean by functioning in practice? We got too much religion the way we've always done things, and then we want things to go back the way we've always done it. I don't care if you were even in revival 20, 30 years ago, and you say, we need to go back to that. I remember, we used to sing, show to the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Give it up and start seeing what's new. I got a new thing for the church. Sarah said, it's a new season. But if you are in disarray, you'll miss the new season and you will be dismayed. You will be in distress. And he also said, Isaiah 41, verse 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So the true church, the true remnant, realizes that I don't need to be dismayed. I don't need to be distressed, because God's got this. And he's got something big for my house. He's got something big for this house. He's got something big for your house. But you've got to get to the place where your spirit led. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. This sermon's going to be good. I don't quite know where I'm going yet. But he said, do not be discouraged. So dismayed and discouraged. This is what it means to be in disarray. This attitude will uh, disable your ability To function in the kingdom. If you're discouraged, you'll never do the things that God wants you to do because you're thinking about yourself, your pain, and what you're going through. You need to be seeing what's put in front of you and being able to act upon what's been put in front of you. And if you're discouraged, your eyes are blind to the things that are going to happen for the kingdom. You want to walk in the Spirit, your eyes got to be open. You can't be discouraged. You can't be dismayed. You can't be in distress. Psalm 55, verse 22 Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Doesn't say He might. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. He will never permit Haven to be moved. He will never permit your family to be moved. You don't need to be discouraged today. Cast your burden on Him. Lord, it's yours. Here you go. This is what I'm discouraged with. He wants to hear you. Give it to me. Give it to me, saying, don't be discouraged. So don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Whew. Next one. Don't be distracted. Too many Christians got too many things going on in their life. Too many distractions. And when you're distracted, you're not hearing well from the Lord and you're not seeing well from the Lord. He wants to interrupt your life and if you're distracted, that that was gonna be in my sermon. I'm gonna have to preach that sometime. An interrupted life. He wants to interrupt your life, but if you're distracted, you're gonna miss the interruptions. And the Lord brought me to the story of the Good Samaritan. Whew. Sorry, that was Holy Ghost anointing goose pimples. <laughs> and the priest went by, and he walked right by him. I hadn't read the story of the Good Samaritan in years. Something we heard a lot. Is that, anybody hear that as a child growing up all the time, the Good Samaritan? But I think I heard it in the wrong ways. The priest walked by, and it says, Then the Levite saw a man left for dead, beaten, left for dead, Sorry, I should have told a bit of the story before I... Because some of you in here, it could be a new story. I don't know. A man was beaten, left for dead on the road, and the priest walked by, saw him, and kept on going. Then a Levite walked by, saw him, and kept on going. I was thinking to myself, well, aren't they sort of the same thing? The priests come from the Levites, which is true, but they were at different levels of authority in the church. Well the priest should have known better but maybe he was too busy doing his priestly things like a lot of our churches too busy doing our priestly things well look how spiritual i am you've seen those people in your life when we're so spiritual that we can't see what god wants us to do for the kingdom and this is jesus telling the story we're, we're missing it we're not spirit led we're not sons and daughters And I've been thinking a bit about this and one day and I were listening to a sermon together and it was powerful. You should probably send it to everybody, hon. The sermon was good. (laughs) I'm actually going to preach about sons and daughters. But I was thinking many of us don't behave like sons and daughters. What was that line in that sermon? It was so good. Sons are led. Slaves are pushed. Pushed. They're driven. I used the word push when I made notes. Sons are led. For as many who are led by the Spirit, they shall be called sons of God or children of God. I'm not leaving the daughters out. Children of God. Sons or daughters. Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they shall be sons of God. So if you want to be a son of God, you got to be led by the Spirit. You can't be distracted. you got to be led. Well, if you're distracted, you're not see- seeing the leading of what the Holy Spirit's doing. Man, I love this word. I'm going to send this to a few people. We're so distracted with things going on in our world and in our life. That's why I say when things come down in this world, which I believe in the next, well, it could even be weeks. We're going to see some changes, have to make some decisions. Decisions are going to be made and have to be made for you and your house. Some of those decisions will hurt you. And some of those decisions will empower you. If you make decisions based on being a son or daughter, you're going to be fine. Because you're led by the spirit. But slaves are driven. What do I mean by that? Well, they're just told what to do. We become, and I'm not saying you're not sons or daughters. If you know Jesus Christ, your personal savior, you're a son or daughter. But some of us still behave like slaves. Why do we behave like slaves? Because it's easier. We're told what to do and we just go and do it. That's why it's easy to function like a practicing system. Many of us need to get rid of our practice. We need to get rid of our religion. Stop behaving like slaves. Start behaving like sons and daughters. Being spirit-led. Don't be distracted. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. All these things, the things that God has for you, can be added unto you if you behave like a son or daughter, if you're led, seeking first the kingdom of God, getting rid of distractions. Philippians, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And that was the whole thing of the Good Samaritan. And who was the one that stopped? The priest went by. The Levite went by. The Good the Samaritan stopped. Well, the Samaritan, he was like an enemy of the Jews. Why would he stop? That's so what Jesus was saying to this lawyer when he asked, who's your neighbor? Well, your neighbor is the Samaritan, the enemy. He's the one who actually stopped. But if you're distracted, you ain't going to stop. And the last thing he said, who remembers the three words? Dismayed, discouraged, distracted. The last one is, do not be distant. That means draw near to him. And he does promise to draw near to you. You can't be distant in this season. You've got to be close. You've got to be gathering to worship. If you don't have a home church, get involved in a home church where you can gather and worship the king. Because when he told the lawyer, what what must you do? The lawyer knew. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor. So the lawyer understood that, uh, you know, I had to make things right with God. I got to love God. You've got to fall in love with God. Number one priority. But what goes along with that is the neighbor, and much of the church has missed out in the neighbor part. They've been too distracted and too distant from the heart of God. If we're close to the heart of God, we will see the neighbor like the Samaritan did. What did the Samaritan do? He stopped. He bandaged up that person that was beaten. You know another reason why the priest or Levite might not have stopped? They were too worried about their religious background. Because if that person was beaten and left for dead, which it said, they can't touch an unclean thing. Huh. Jesus has changed this. I don't got to worry about that unclean thing anymore. I'm set free. And he who in the Son sets free is free Indeed. I've got a new nature. I'm a son. I can go help that other person because God wants them to be a son too. He cares very much for them. So I can't be distant. I've got to draw near. So you can become sons and daughters and function like slaves, or you can become sons and daughters and function like children of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they shall be sons of God. You ever thought about that Romans 8, verse 14? Put up Romans 8, starting at verse 1. How does that chapter start? The exact same way it's finishing here. I'm talking about sons of God. Romans 8, verse 1 says, For there is therefore now no condemnation, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you have the right version of the Bible, it says, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I've taught you that before, you know, some versions of the Bible that use the critical text miss that whole part of the verse. Isn't that crazy? Like if you looked up on your phone, the NIV, Romans eight verse one, that part of the verse isn't even in there. And I'm not saying is bad. I want people reading their Bible, whatever it is. But don't miss out on that important part that says don't walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. That's how it opens up. There's no, for now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He sets us free. But you could still walk in Christ Jesus in the flesh, rather than the spirit and miss out on being sons and daughters. So the idea is to be saved and set free by Jesus and behave like sons and daughters. Why? Because religion kills. The law kills. And if you're stuck in the law and in your practice of the law... 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit brings life. We need life. Life in our homes, life in our houses, life in our churches, and the Spirit brings life. For some reason, we love to carry on with legalism. Why would we want death? I want the Spirit of life over my house. I want the spirit of life over this church. So do not be dismayed. Don't be in distress. Do not be discouraged. Do not be distracted and do not be distant for you are a son and daughter of the king and he has good things for his children and he wants you to affect many. I wrote this down. I want to give it to you the life of interruption, an interrupted life. Basically, interruption is God's invitation to do something great in you or through you. In both. Why are we interrupted? Because God wants to do something big. Why may we face some incredible tough things in this world? Because God wants to do something big. But he's got it, you don't need to worry Interruption is often what we look at as a thing or something that breaks my peace. Well, my peace isn't found in my contentment. I've learned to be content in all things because of Jesus, because the Spirit is alive in me. These aren't my words, these are Paul's words. He learned to be content in all things. And you can learn to be content too, as a son or daughter, because you're going to look at life differently. Those who are led by the spirit of God, he gave the name child of God, the right to become children of God. Are you in this place today and say, I've got it all planned out. I'm all organized. I'm functioning. God wants to change your plans today. He wants to interrupt what's going on in your life. Well, I'm going to make my first million by the time I'm 40 and I'm going to do this. I'm gonna vacation every week I can. I went away last week, first time in a while. It was great. Vacations are fun. We need them. anybody like vacations? I love them. But if I'm living so much to do my thing, I'm gonna miss out on that person that needs help that's beaten and dead by the side of the road. Are we so distracted that we're missing out? This church should be filled if each one of us were reaching into one person's life. We need to be alive to what the Spirit of God is doing during the week. We think, uh, oh, I go to church, I'm alive with the Spirit on Sunday. No, this is just to get you fueled up and fired up to go out into this world and help that man that's on the side of the road and bandage him up and get him some help. He cared for him. He took time. He took some of he put him on his own donkey, it says. He used what he had to help that person. Sometimes we like to hold back what we have. That ain't kingdom work. Kingdom work is using what I have to love others. He bandaged him. Not only did he do that, he brought him to an inn and paid for that person to get looked after. And then he told the innkeeper, I'll be back and if there's any future bills. He cared about the generational blessing and legacy. He cared about leaving that person behind and what was gonna happen as he was left behind. He was gonna keep paying. He'd come back and pay. We need to be thinking about the future of other people too. God is inviting us To see him all around us. To see the need all around us. But unless we're sons and daughters, we're not going to see the need. We love to live in isolation. Sons and daughters don't live in isolation. They see the need. They act quickly. We are family, as one you just said. We uh, have our routines for everything. Routines for healthy living. And... And it's good, I'm not saying it's bad. Wendy's got this new routine for us. We take this mammoth six supplements every morning. I'm like, then I start eating my breakfast, I can feel them being pushed down. She's like, "We're going to take beef organs. I think I'm eating the whole liver of a cow every morning." So we're taking our beef organs. I actually got my uh, blood work back. I was telling Doctor Neil this morning uh, because I'm feeling healthy, like looking good, feeling strong. I'm pretty much back, better looking and funnier than ever. I'm back. <laughs> I was hearing from God, Bob. <laughs> oh man, he was. Downloading, or should I say, dumping some good stuff. <laughs> uh. So the doctor called me this week, and he said, Jeff, I got some news. Actually, you get these diabetic health nurses. They're like crazy. They think they know everything about diabetes. And, and I had my stroke because of diabetes. I let my diabetes get away. I did the man thing. I felt I could eat whatever I wanted. and I didn't take my meds. I didn't eat. I didn't exercise. I didn't... These things, I guess, are pretty important. <laughs> so I'm learning that. So every morning after we eat our half a cow, <laughs> Wendy makes me go for a walk. And if I say, oh, I don't feel like it. Want to have another stroke? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got to discipline ourselves, and I go for walks, and the doctor said to me, he goes, your last blood work uh, two weeks ago before we left Ontario, we did a C-peptide test, which I don't know what that means. You nurses in here might know. So they basically want to check your pancreas, because that's what produces insulin in your body. And uh, she told me, um, well, Jeff, we've never really seen this before, but your." pancreas is functioning like a healthy human being. So this was our first week testing it. Uh, I was supposed to take insulin before every meal. And uh, this week, I haven't taken any insulin before my meals. So... She has me testing a couple hours after I eat, because then you're a little higher or something, and I'm usually around 7 to 8. My A1C, she said, is 6.4. She goes, I want you around 6.5. She goes, we don't want lows, and we don't want highs. And um, she goes, we want you functioning around that 6 point something, 6.5. So I'm 6.4, and my um, triglycerides, that's something to do with fat or whatever, um, are normal. And my cholesterol is normal. And my C-peptide, she said, Jeff, you're a 74. You're functioning like a healthy 20-year-old. I'm like, wow, it's kind of cool. So I don't know what's going to happen with my insulin. I didn't take it all week. <laughs> we'll see what um, what happens in the future, but I'm going to keep believing for a miracle. Now, some of that is just I'm doing my part. I am taking some oral medication um, and I'm being faithful, not like I used to because you don't want to have a stroke. They're not fun. <laughs> they, um, so trying to do my part, sometimes we, we got to do our part. Byron was saying that. To He's like, I found out what's working. I thank the Lord for giving me wisdom. I'm eating like a lion. <laughs> I'm like, go Byron. He's like, I can move my hands. You had like arthritis in your hands. It was so bloated. Yeah. God's good. So sometimes there's some practical things that we do to get healing. I found out from Wendy um, exercising, going for walks, and eating half a cow every morning. It can help you. I shouldn't joke about it. We're taking these... Beef organ supplements, I guess that is. Um, but we have routines for things. We have routines for healthy spiritual living. Gathering for worship is good. Reading the word is good. Prayer and meditation is good. But do you know that you can even get stuck in good routines like that and miss out what God wants you to do as a son or daughter? What do you mean, Pastor Jeff? Reading my Bible and going to church? Yeah, you can get stuck in doing those things religiously. Anybody ever done that? I've done it. It's not fun. And then we miss out. Let's get stuck in being sons and daughters. I want you to, this week, ask the Lord, what are some of the things I'm stuck in? What's distracting me? What am I, am I discouraged? Am I dismayed, distressed? Lord, forgive me. Help me to be the son and daughter you want me to be. And how do I do that? I've got to discover my identity of who I am in Christ Jesus, and I've got to be led. Those who are led by the Spirit Are called sons and daughters, or children of God. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for sending us Jesus. That there isn't, there for now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you for the Spirit that is alive in me. And just right now, we talk to uh, God and say, "I submit to the Spirit right now." I will be led. Forgive me for distraction. Forgive me for being distressed, dismayed, discouraged, and distant. And today, I commit myself to drawing close to you. Oh, draw me so close. We used to sing that song, draw me close to you, never let me go, which I think is good, but he's saying to you, Draw close to me. I won't let you go. It's a different mentality, isn't it? So Lord, I commit myself to drawing close and to being led. Forgive me for behaving like a slave even though I'm a son or daughter. Forgive me. I don't want to be pushed or told what to do anymore. I want to hear from you and see the need. And act on that. I look to you, Lord. Just with I don't know everybody in here, all heads bowed and eyes closed. You're in this place and say, I need to commit or recommit myself to God. Say, I want to be your son or daughter. Just put your hand up. I want to pray for you. If that's you, all over this place. If that's thank you, thank you. Thank you. Begin to just tell them right where you're at. I am your daughter. I'm your son. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you that I am adopted. And now I come and I walk in this adoption. I walk as a daughter of the king. I walk as a son of the king. And I will be led. I commit my life to you and drawing close to you in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite Justin to come and close.